0: Hey, now say now, you're tuned in to the Wake Up and Win podcast, and I am your host, Devon Pouncy. D-Boy is back online with me today. What's going on with you, D-Boy?
1: Yes, yes, I'm chilling, man. How you doing in this quarantine time? Uh, oh, man, still working,
0: man, still working. The grind don't stop, the grit don't quit, however you want to call it. Um, Just straight into it to get into some announcements as I'm mentioning that the grind don't stop, or like I said, the grit don't quit. Um, this week, a few big things coming up. Uh, this is Sunday when we're recording this episode. So, Monday night, um, this episode should be out Monday morning, but Monday night I'll be on K2, uh, which is Portland's ABC affiliate. Uh, they came and they did a new segment on our organization over at Street Roots because right now we're in primary voting season and Election Day is on the 19th, which is Tuesday, and so, um, Basically, K2 came and did a news story on our vendor program, as I am the vendor program manager, in regards to how unhoused folks vote and basically what we do to try to make sure that unhoused folks vote, vote obviously, if they'd like to vote, and what ways we assist them. Um, And one of the reasons that we've actually been able to stay open during these quarantine times is because we do... um, give out mail to our vendors we allow our vendors to use street roots as a mailing address so with that they come to the office and they pick up their mail because obviously they don't really have anywhere else you know with stability that they can receive mail at as they live on the streets uh for the most part so um just being able to kind of talk about that obviously voting is very important to me may not be very important to you but um, it's also very important to what we do at street roots and supporting our vendors to be able to have their voices heard as well. So um, check it out tomorrow night on K2, as I mentioned, ABC Affiliate, um, which is one of Portland's news stations out here. Also this week, um, I'll be hosting a digital town hall in regards to um, my hotel and motel campaign that we have going on with Street Roots as well as we do so much advocacy work. Um, but a couple weeks back, we had an editorial in regards to some of these unused hotels um, to be able to be used for people that are living out on the streets. Um, Obviously, we know that they get exposed to so many things, even though statistically, um, the numbers are actually doing well for unhoused folks in regards to death here in the city of Portland and, and in the metro region. But Um, Still, you don't want them to be exposed, especially as businesses start to open up. More people start to flood the streets. And while we're still in this pandemic, they need a place to be able to stay so that they aren't as exposed to being able to receive the COVID-19 virus. So um, I'll be hosting that this Thursday at 1 p.m. Check out my social media throughout the week as we'll be pushing that. Um, we'll have some really good guests that'll have some very important and substantial things to say during the town hall. So, I would ask that you all support that this week, but um, yeah, that's what Shout I got. Shout out to
1: you for all the good work you're constantly putting in, man. Oh, man. I man. know the people see it, man. I see you get a lot of love, but I just want to say that on air. We don't do that too much, but yeah, absolutely. We, we see you week after week. Always got
0: something going on for the people. Absolutely, man. I, I'm the people's champ. At least I try to be. Um, obviously, Thursday nights, I still do the Thirsty Thursdays as well. I've decided to go over to Twitch instead of Instagram Live. Because, you know, Instagram Live constantly kicks me off. And we talked about that here on the podcast before in regards to owning rights to the music and all of that. Maybe last episode, I think it was, mm-hmm. where we kind of did a deep dive on that. And so um, because I like my bo- my broadcast, woo, broadcast <laughs> to not be interrupted, I decided to go over to Twitch. Um, Some of you may be familiar with Twitch, especially if you know a little bit about the gaming community, but it is a broadcast app and uh, it's been working out a lot better. The quality is a lot better. It's just meant for being able to DJ and really ultimately have a broadcast on that app rather than so much on Instagram, as we know Instagram is used for so many things. And it's only so much that could be done at the highest of qualities uh, for Instagram to be effective. So um, I'm still watching all the other IG Lives, the Versus Lives, which we'll get into um, here today. But yeah, make sure you check us out on Thirsty Thursdays on Twitch. D-Boy, you got any announcements? You released a record. Yeah, yeah. I, I was just going to say yeah. that's
1: my only announcement. I just released a record called Player... Um, And it was unique because the day that I dropped it, I showcased a quick 15 second clip um, of me performing it live in studio with the band. And I got a lot of good feedback and drew um, a lot of traffic and attention to the song on release date. So I actually just got the final audio back today for that uh, live band performance. And uh, I'm going to be hitting up the, the video person to edit it and finish that up, and we'll be dropping that soon. So as far as the-, the live reg-
0: video is fire, yeah, bro. Yeah, it's crazy, bro. Like <laughs> I said, right. a
1: lot of people reached out to me. A lot of people shared it and showed love to it. So um, that's actually the last post on my Instagram as of now. So if you want to see that little clip, go check me out at D-Boy LTD. That's D-Boy with a I, not a Y. And uh, like I said, that's a Player. It's out now on all platforms, and we'll be dropping the live in-studio performance with have been visual real soon. So that's all I got.
0: There we go. There we go. Now let's get straight into it because we just wrapped up the entire docu-series for The Last Dance that covered Michael Jordan and his Chicago Bulls um, really throughout his entire career, but especially during that fantastic run of a dynasty that they had during the 1990s decade. Um, and obviously, you know, we for the last few weeks have been following up on each of those episodes and just, you know, discussing our thoughts following each episode, essentially recapping what it is that we saw, what it is that we took away as there was so much to break down over those 10 episodes, so much to the point where, you know, as as it's all wrapped up now and we kind of have this finale that took place tonight, I truly can truly say what makes me believe this docuseries was so great ultimately is that I think there is so many opportunities for spinoffs in regards to this documentary. Now, do I see spinoffs happening in particular? Hmm, Probably not, especially um, if Michael Jordan has any say-so with it, knowing the business mind and the business person that he is and knowing um, that it was up to him really to clear for this documentary to actually happen as well. But just on so many different fronts, I see opportunities for spinoffs um, obviously last episode we discussed um we discussed the activism portion and I think it's so much deeper a of a dive that could have been taken on that front um obviously with Craig Hodges and Um, learning more about Harvey Gant, Harvey Gant was a star of a politician back in those days. Um, and just really kind of taking a deep dive into that entire story and what was back then. Um, I think Scottie Pippen could have his own spinoff from this docu-series, um, kind of being what we've all known to be Robin to Jordan, who was Batman for that dynasty, knowing, um, all the business, uh, business matters in regards to Scottie Pippen and being grossly underpaid and Um, not really being paid what he was worth or what he felt he was owed and how that kind of played a role in the decisions that he made throughout his career and going forward. Um, I just think there's so many ways to be able to have spinoffs from this docuseries. Like I said, I'm not really expecting any because I think Michael Jordan would have a lot to say about that. And I think he certainly wanted broadcasted what it was that he wanted broadcasted over these 10 episodes. He gave it the green light. He gave it the go. But it was just so interesting, so intriguing. Even tonight's episode with Steve Kerr, um, obviously his career has been an insane one, winning championship with the, winning championships with the Bulls, winning championships with the Spurs. After that dynasty was over, being able to coach a dynasty. We learned today the backstory of his father, and you know his father being killed, and 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 just kind of the educational portion that their family. Uh, really had instilled within their household so it's just so many ways that I feel like you could have spinoffs from this
1: docuseries and that to me really speaks to why I thought the docuseries was so great yeah I thought it was powerful because of the fact that I think it touched on two major parts um and two extremely different kind of people and what I mean by that is I think for people an era right before us our parents and all of that um, they got to witness Michael Jordan from start to finish, mm-hmm. as far as his career is concerned. So for them, I think it was nostalgia. I think it was very nostalgic when they referenced some of these clips that you know, just the whole retro feeling of his uh, outfits to the the Jordans that were popular and what he was wearing at the time, to the cars he was driving, the to soundtrack, the what soundtrack. a
0: great soundtrack, just the whole <laughs> nine this... yards. I think the... it
1: really was nostalgic for. You know half the people that viewed it, and then the other half, as far as our era and the people younger, um, we seen the 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 end of Jordan's career. We seen some of his greatness. We were a lot younger, and then we know him as a businessman, we know his shoes been going bananas for for decades now and things of that nature. But um, I always thought for people like us that didn't get to witness all that was shown in the in the Last Dance, I think. He was kind of a mystery, man. Jordan didn't do too much publicly. He didn't speak yep. much. He didn't do many interviews that were publicized post-career. Um, And so you heard of Jordan more for his shoes than anything else, basically. Yeah. And so for us to see it, it was like, damn, we knew he was great, but... This came along with it. This some adversity he faced. This the team he was working with. This was some in-house issues. It was just so much more in depth. So I think it just covered so much for so many people as to where I actually was walking in the store the other day and the man that rung me up said he cried twice because he remembers in the moment where he was at when he seen some of these occurrences that were shown. So it just showed the power on so many different levels. Yeah, absolutely. And I think especially on a mental health front, Um,
0: As you know, everybody has really talked about and discussed in the documentary, also talked about and discussed um, the insane competitor that Michael Jordan was. We got to see some raw emotion from Michael Jordan as he mentioned the cost that it took for him to go out there and ultimately do what he did, winning six championships, six finals MVPs and a plethora of other accomplishments, accomplishments and accolades um, that he was able to accrue during his basketball career. But Just seeing mentally where he was then, what he dealt with back then as a player, and kind of the, in some ways, traumatic effect that it's had on who he ultimately has become, um, on what it was that he reflected on in his older years, which is obviously now, as we got to see him speak throughout the docuseries. Um, It's just real interesting. He was so interesting of a dude, and certainly a one of one on so many fronts. And that's why he gets the credit that he does today. Um, As many people believe he is the greatest basketball player of all time. But like you said, certainly a mystery man. And I think a lot of the reason was because he was the first player Especially when it comes to being a black athlete, not just an athlete, but I think he was the first black athlete to deal with a lot of what he dealt with during those days. Um, So it really was no blueprint there for him to be able to follow in regards to. Um, the entity that Michael Jordan ultimately became, and so with that having to navigate through it had to have been very difficult. A lot of, in a lot of ways, like I said, in some ways traumatic, in other ways glorifying. Um, just all of the above. It, it's a plethora of feelings and emotions that you got from the docu series. So just being able to see him reflect as an older gentleman over twenty years later from. Uh, that time period in his life and just seeing kind of some of his thoughts and, and, and how he thought then and in some ways how he thinks now and where that changed and hasn't changed in certain areas. But I want to get into just kind of some random topics that I had in regard to this docuseries because in a lot of ways I like to think in the hypothetical and one person who obviously um, has gotten a lot of recognition during this docuseries has been Dennis Rodman. Um, some of the outrageous, especially then some of the outrageous things he would do, um, you know, dressing in drag and going and leaving during the NBA finals, as we saw tonight to go uh, making a re- make a wrestling appearance with the NWO and his story about going to Las Vegas and obviously the crazy hairdo, his playing style. It's just so much that we can say in regards to Dennis Rodman and popular culture, um, but. That indeed makes me think of a question that I want to more so tie into what has essentially become popular culture um, because of Dennis Rodman's influence. D-Boy, I want to ask you, is there an artist in hip hop that most reminds
1: you of Dennis Rodman, whether it be based on Can you open this? Can you open it up for me? Yeah. I I want you to take the floor on that. I'm still thinking. Um, I got a couple of people in mind, but... I'm still trying to decide my approach on the spot. So open it up for me. Yeah, well, essentially for me, ultimately, um, it's certainly Tyler, the
0: creator. Um, Tyler, the creator uh, created something, in odd future that I think was so different amongst hip hop, which obviously is a predominantly black genre. And so certain stigmas. That relate to black culture and to the black community, um, whether it be because of where you grew up, what you did or did not experience as a black person, etc. We get stigmatized and stereotyped in so many ways that sometimes being an out of the box individual within your profession or within your craft could be hard to do. Whether it be media, whether it be music, in Dennis Rodman's case, in athletics, um, sometimes we. We, we almost get treated as a monolith and as a person that has to be a certain way because we are this certain race and we can be looked at in in odd ways, essentially, um, if we decide to kind of go out of the box and not stay within what society has deemed us to be in regards to being put in the box as a race. And with Tyler, the creator, I just think what he was able to do in hip hop um, having a label called Odd Future, which essentially we knew went against the grain from what most hip-hop fans or many hip-hop fans would think is real hip-hop. In the case of Dennis Rodman, as an athlete, especially a black athlete, and kind of the masculinity that is attached to sports, the, the toughness that is attached to the black community, as we even saw with the Detroit Piston Bad Boys, being being who he was, and like I said, dressing in drag and and just kind of being out the box from what we thought somebody from our community is supposed to be, I think ultimately resemb- resembles who Tyler the Creator has been within the hip hop community. So, like I said, and 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 how in the future, it's had such a huge effect on pop culture. You look at Dennis Rodman; he was a one of one back then. I still think he's a one of one, but I certainly think as far as um, the sport of basketball and athletes being a lot more eclectic and willing to kind of be a little more wild with maybe some of the outfits that they and I don't want to use the word wild, but me and being a little more out the box and some of the outfits that they decide to wear um, showing up to the games like we've seen even fashion within sport sprout tremendously in ways that we could have never imagined. And I think a lot of that was derived from Dennis Rodman and who he was. And like I said, same goes for Tyler in hip-hop. I'll talk a little bit about him later on today, but recently winning a Grammy as a hip-hop artist, I don't think that that's somebody you necessarily would have expected 20 years ago with what it is that he's done and was willing to do that would be in a position as one of the most
1: heralded hip-hop artists in today's culture. So that's ultimately what I mean by that. For sure. Well, with what you said, um, I'm going to stick with who I already had in mind. Nobody else really popped up. And honestly, it's coming from a different approach, an earlier time, but I think it's very fitting in certain ways. And I'm going to go with Old Dirty Bastard. Mm, ODB. Interesting. Interesting. Tell me more. And uh, I'm going to go with that because I feel like he was one of those explicit, cutthroat, raw greats and, and still was associated with greatness in the Wu Tang Clan. Absolutely. Obviously, Dennis Rodman being his outlandish one of oneself and being associated with greatness and being a key part of the greatness as well. Um, that's the approach that I'm kind of taking from it. And the 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 battles he constantly faced and overcame. Um. O.D.B.s was more legal infested. He he dealt with a lot of legal issues during the rise uh, of his career. But all in all, it was constant, raw, explicit, take me as I am type of approach. And I think he opened the doors for some people like Tyler, the Creator, and yeah. offsprings of just the explicit, raw pictures that's painted through music. That that raspy rawness. Um, I think that has some you know, uh, is, is derivative yeah, yeah, yeah. of that. So, right, right. I mean, you you may or may not disagree, but that's the approach I'm taking. No, I'm glad you said that. And I'm
0: glad you were able to bring in an artist from an entirely different era, because as you mentioned, Old Dirty Bastard was certainly out the box as a rapper and as a hip hop artist. And in fact, um, I had an Instagram post up not too long ago um, where I asked the question in regards to who, the top five hip-hop personalities, and I'm talking about from an artist perspective, not like media personalities, but who was the top five hip-hop personalities of all time? And my former radio co-host, Justin Myers, um, was probably about the only person who mentioned old dirty bastard wow. um, and the hundreds of comments that, that ended up taking place on that particular post. And Justin is somebody who I, you know, who I respect greatly in some of his takes. Uh, some of them I think are pretty wild, but I do always enjoy that it still comes from a genuine place. And hey, it, all of us have some wild takes that comes from a genuine place as well. But when he said that, that was one of the answers that really kind of got my 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 wheels turning in regards to thinking of Old dirty bastard and his influence on hip hop. So it's crazy so how that connect. Yeah. Crazy how yeah, that connected. For real. Certainly, certainly an interesting choice there. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also want to before we get out of this last dance thing, I do want to talk about Steve Kerr and his father passing away, which we learned a lot about through the docu series today. His father was an educator. Um, he went down to uh, American American University in Beirut, became the president there, and he ultimately was killed by two guys out there in Beirut who uh masked as students. Um dome shouted him. I mean it, it was insane the story that was told essentially. Assassination. Assassination. He he certainly was assassinated out there. But um it was just one more thing that was really interesting to me because obviously during these times Steve Kerr has been one of the vocal leaders as far as on the athletic front Um, Being the head coach of the Golden State Warriors, we know kind of the banter that is going back and forth between the Warriors organization and our current president, Donald Trump, whether it be by way of Steph Curry, whether it be by way of Steve Kerr, um, whether it be by way of the team deciding not to take White House visits during this dynasty. There's just been so much in regards to Steve Kerr. Um, where he's really taken a political front during these days, and somebody who, to me, kind of came out of the woodworks, because I'd never known Steve Kerr to be that guy um, just throughout my lifetime, not obviously while he was coaching, but even as a player. So to be able to learn the history and the backstory of where Steve Kerr came from, um, how invested in the global politics his father was, um, how invested into education, both of his parents were, as his mother was an educator as well. Um, It just opened my eyes, essentially, and, and it made a lot more sense for me in regards to Steve Kerr kind of coming out because I never really looked into his backstory. Another coach who has been very outspoken is Greg Popovich. And I've never really dug too deep into Greg Popovich's backstory as to why he is so vocal and why it is that he's playing the role that he's playing in regards to ultimately being uh, an activist um, from the sports world. And so, Now I'm going to go and take an even deeper look into Greg Popovich and his background because I appreciate what he does and I've appreciated what Steve Kerr has been doing, but I never really knew their backstories as to why it is that they've kind of taken on the role of doing what it is that they do. So that was just something I certainly wanted to hit on and touch on in regards to that.
1: Yeah, as far as Steve Kerr, I think it's just dope to see, once again, the in-depth things that we didn't know about certain people because... I've heard just coming up, uh, Steve Kerr was kind of spoon-fed, lucky to be on the team, didn't really contribute, but got a name because he played with Jordan. And right. once again, seeing this, he endured a lot. He endured a on lot. On <laughs> and off the court. <laughs> Absolutely. To make a real respectable impact on that uh, Bulls team. So like I said, not only to see how much of a key role that he did play once Paxson's career uh, came to a halt, but also just to know the adversity he faced In college, that happened, I believe. Yeah, yeah, his father Um, died. So that suddenly overcame in college. Uh, The picture that he painted with sometimes hearing the national anthem and uh, knowing his dad would have been juiced to, to, you know, I mean, to be able to witness what he was doing. It's it's touching like that (laughs) on a personal level. You know, it's certain people you want around to see certain accomplishments and accolades come to fruition. So, uh, You know, it's just a a, a newfound respect for Steve Curry, even though I already had it for reasons such as you mentioned.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And there is an article out there in the New York Times written by John Branch. I saw Malika Andrews actually posted or reposted, I should say. Um, That kind of gives an an even more in-depth look on Steve Kerr and his father and how that entire situation played out. So um, certainly a good read there as well if you want to look deeper into that. It was written in like 2016, um, but (laughs) obviously has a lot of relevance today as Steve Kerr has become who he is as a basketball coach and the role he played during this last dance documentary playing with Michael Jordan and all of that. Um, but I want to transition out of basketball, D-Boy, the last dance. Like I said, I'm grateful for it. And before I even... Now, you know what? I'm going to save that for taking L's. Um, I was going to transition into something that just dawned on me. I'm actually going to use that in the Taken L segment. Um, but anywho, let's transition into these versus battles. Um, we had two of them. The last two we haven't covered yet. Um, going into the first of the latter two, um, we certainly talked about it a bit on this podcast in regards to Erica Badu and Jill Scott's battle. Um, I did a DJ set, a Neo social distancing DJ set in honor of them battling. Um, we both came on here and had takes and opinions and ideas on who we thought would win the battle. I think we were both totally wrong. Um, I think the direction that the battle actually ended up going into, um, we didn't foresee coming just because, you know, some of the things we've already seen and witnessed during these versus battles and just that word alone, the fact that it's a battle, you always look at it as pinning one against the other. Um, and with that battle in particular, there was a sense of unity amongst those two, that I think was so contagious amongst the culture that they ended up having over 1 billion impressions on that Instagram Live battle that they had together. And to me, it was so impressive on a lot of fronts, obviously the first one being the Neo Soul front, which I have talked about here uh, several times, and it brought me back to a conversation that you and I had, D-Boy, back when Kobe Bryant passed away and the Grammys came around. And as aforementioned, Tyler, the creator won a Grammy that night. And he essentially came out and said that, you know, he didn't really align his album to be a hip hop album. And it was more so alternative and out the box. And you and I just kind of had a discussion about Neo Soul. And I felt like um, his existence should be um, elevated an entirely lot more than mainstream media and these mainstream award shows have elevated it. And so to see some of the legendary beat battles that we've had and to see the numbers that they were able to do, um, getting those billion plus, uh, folks to, to, to react to it and to check it out. Um, also I saw an article where it said that their streams both have tripled, because of that particular beat battle, which we haven't seen yet with any other beat battles. I think we've seen one where the streams have doubled, but we have yet to see one where streams have tripled. And I think a lot of that plays into, for one, first and foremost, the music, Um, the style of music, how good of musicians they truly are, how talented they truly are, Um, And what it is that they've been able to do from more of an eclectic front rather than, like I said, that in the box, what we expect black music to be or what mainstream expects black music to be. um, Those were two artists that came up in a Neo Soul era that took different directions as far as black musicianship was concerned. And so, you know, to me, it just kind of confirmed the thought that I had in regards to Neo Soul in, re- in reference to the Grammys needing to be an independent genre for folks to win awards. Because I thought both of those winners this year on the hip-hop front and an r front had neo-soul albums, one being Tyler the Creator on the hip-hop side, the other one being Anderson .Paak, who won the r album of the year in the Grammys. So um, just seeing the numbers do what it was that they did in, re- in, in comparison to all the other versus battles that we've seen was just really impressive to me and like I said it speaks to the quality of music um, speaks to how that music uh, really affects the community and, and its consumers and just that we need to really give a little bit more praise to one the neo soul
1: era that was then and to the neo soul era that is now. Yeah, I think it's just dope. These platforms that's being created, just the constant uh, evolution of how people are creating opportunities and, and entertaining the people still. And I'm talking hundreds of thousands of people, as you mentioned, uh setting records, setting bars, the whole nine yards. So it's just dope to see all together.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. But um, now let's transition into something that I think is a little bit more up your alley. And that's Ludacris and Nelly. Oh, we. That L- was Ludacris and yesterday. Nelly. That was just yesterday. Ludacris versus Nelly. I was glued to that one. Tell me your thoughts, man. Let me know. Nelly
1: lost. That's my first thought. Indeed.
0: And not because of the technical difficulties, by N- the way. No, I'm going to talk
1: about that <laughs> later. So okay. We'll, yeah, let me save that. I don't even want to talk about the technical difficulties. I purposely want to open up with Nelly lost just to transition into I already had a superb respect for ludicrous and it just doubled damn near after Mm. yesterday tell me more um it's something about controlling a room um, controlling a situation looking seasoned looking poised and there was nothing wrong with nelly dancing around and everything but just the articulate uh fluency of everything that he did it was all precise from his his song playlist to him big up in Nelly and them giving back stories and talking about so much history within the short time you know between songs to uh, his background and him sipping and just his whole persona on that live was very composed and 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 he he owned it. He almost kind of took the role of like sunning Nelly at, at a point in time, in my opinion. <laughs> yeah, and and yeah. I'm not saying that not in a disrespectful. disrespectful way to Nelly, but the way he was composed and talking and kind of owning the situation, he, he sunned him. And, and it, was, it was not even close, in my opinion. It was It was kind of a landslide. And the fact that Nelly did go diamond and that some of his hit records were absolutely smash hit records it 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 held him in at certain points but it was a landslide cutty i agree i agree so much to
0: the point that um i actually tweeted this out yesterday um i think and he's been a part of this conversation as one of the greater rappers out of atlanta but when you correlate atlanta and what it means to the hip-hop community i mean that's where the south got something to say deride from i think Um, Within the last five years or so, um, really more so the last decade, I would say, um, Atlanta has really kind of taken over hip hop from a region perspective. Um, Obviously, you've got hit makers from every region and some of the best of the best from each region. But I feel like Atlanta became sort of the hottest region um, as of late. And with that being said... (sighs) Ludacris is certainly a top five greatest rapper to ever come out of that region, certainly. And I think yesterday confirmed that, but it's hard for me to pick a rapper better. It's only one rapper from Atlanta that I would say is probably better than Ludacris because of just his flow and his delivery. And that would be Andre 3000. But other than that, Mm -hmm. (laughs) I think after what we saw yesterday and how impressive... Ludacris was especially in regards to him being a hit maker and him being able to respond to Nelly Records in the way that Mm -hmm. he was not just Mm -hmm. like you said in the way he was able to articulate things but in just the flat out ability to be able to pull out some of the music that he's created Mm -hmm. over time over the last 20 years or so Mm -hmm. my goodness I don't know if I can name another rapper that is better than him from Atlanta mm-hmm. outside of Andre mm-hmm. 3000. Yeah, and
1: I couldn't name it off the top, but uh, Nelly, he messed up by playing at least two to three songs that nobody has heard of yeah. before. And he <laughs> yeah. was dancing hard as hell to it. Yeah. And that that threw us off for a loop. I've seen mm-hmm. a lot of factors, a lot of celebrities <laughs> in there with the cover in their face uh, emoji. Because it was bad timing, and he... He talked a lot and juiced them up in between, yeah. and then he come with some stuff we never heard. And he got hits that he didn't play that we've heard yeah. and we're looking forward I to. I think
0: you can blame that on the alcohol
1: a little bit. But that's what I'm saying. Once again, as Ludo, yeah. I've noticed certain things. Ludo has sip whatever he had in that bottle, and then he has sipped water. Yeah. People didn't peep the game on that. You feel me? Yeah. Nelly was sipping that cup the whole time, and he was on. <laughs> Luda a sip, and then you'll see some water follow. I thought that was real, real tight. Another thing, when he was talking about these songs and these concepts at those points and times in his life, and then he pointed out the fact that he's married now, and so it's only about one woman, but at them times, that's really how life was. I yeah. thought that was dope, just that... You, it kinda took you through them points in life and you see that the growth. evolution yeah. and the growth and the seasoning spoke for itself and how he entertained us um uh, even in the midst of the technical difficulties that we'll talk about um later on in the podcast. So is that is that
0: for okay. Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. So, yeah that's um, what gonna do. Now now one thing that we also got to consider about Ludacris, and this was something I also thought about, um, we had an episode not too long ago where we talked about childish Gambino and the amazing, t- uh, the amazing talent that he was because he's able to do so many things. I think part of the reason why, Ludacris probably didn't get his flowers to the extent that he should have. Obviously, he's gotten flowers, but like I said, arguably the greatest rapper to ever come out of Atlanta, which is a huge deal, um, is because he's so good at so many different things. And you even look at the backstory of how Luda got into hip-hop, Luda was a radio personality back then. Mm-hmm. So when you start to speak See, on like how he, he was articulate in regards to the things that he was able to do during the beat battle yesterday, I think it correlates to that being one of his many well, talents.
1: One more quick thing, which this wasn't known before the uh, battle started. I have seen a lot of people lean in Nelly's way Leading up to this battle, um, it could have been maybe 50 50, but I personally seen Nelly kind of favorite leading up to the actual battle. What I want to say is when we were hearing about this battle, we're thinking it's these people's personal songs. When it got to features, that's where it became (laughs) unfair for real. For Nelly, that's where he had an extremely disadvantage, and I want to say that because Ludacris was at a point in his career where he was the feature man for a minute, he was on everything pop. Uh, Soul with Mary J. He was on a lot of things with visuals. Yeah. So absolutely. don't forget that when it came to features, Nelly wasn't, Nelly had bash, smash, hits. He wasn't known for a lot of features. So once I heard that it transitioned to that, I think Luda played that Nell, uh, the Nas feature. And once I seen the feature, I said, oh, over. And he he took off from there. Absolutely.
0: Yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah, Ludacris, like I said, man, he's an elite talent in our culture on so many fronts. Um, Obviously, musically, like I said, his career derived from him being a radio personality, which I think could actually fog some of the reason why he hasn't gotten as much credit as as deserved as just a rapper, period. Um, Because, you know, back in those days, like I said, Speaking about putting rappers in a box, rapping and media didn't go hand in hand back then during those times of hip hop, especially as much as it does now, because now we're seeing a lot of rappers and a lot of artists cross over into media. And we didn't really see that as much back Mm -hmm. in those days. I think Mm -hmm. the same could be said for sports. Obviously, now we're seeing a lot of these athletes kind of, Convert into being media personalities where back then when they were playing, there was no debate shows and there wasn't mm-hmm. there was radio shows, but mm-hmm. not to the extent that we're seeing now in regards to sports. And so I think um, Luda could have almost been looked at as watered down because he was a personality that transitioned into an artist. But I think him being a personality played a huge role and why he was able to transition into an artist and kind of have an advantage over many artists and ultimately have the success that he's did musically and obviously acting he's had smash success um, being a fast and a furious actor I mean he's just done so many different things and is certainly one of those guys that we have to talk about more in regards to being an elite overall talent in black culture the way that we talk about the Jamie Foxes of the world, the way that we now talk about the Childish Gambinos of the world the 50 cents of the world he has to be in that conversation going forward because
1: he's an elite talent and even uh looking by default i thought the followers were a lot closer i had no idea how many followers each one of them had until after the battle i went and looked i'm like let me just go see where they at because you know i thought it was relatively close considering and uh nelly had 2.9 um million and Ludacris had 12 million that's an extremely big gap too which goes to speak volumes as though you say he might not get his flowers right don't think he uh a quarter of them or more ain't from fast and furious yeah. in the movie scene you know what i mean like he is yeah. it's, it's shown in different ways when it's spread out sometimes it's hard to just have somebody own one thing but don't get it twisted you know yeah. he's definitely an icon in, in more ways than one and, and he knows that and I, I think he's he's living all, you know he's yeah. living through that absolutely I'm just glad that yesterday we got to
0: put a little bit more emphasis mm-hmm. on mm-hmm. just the music and Ludacris the rapper because it was great for him it was great for him musically it was great for him Um, and we now have an even better understanding whether it be because we forgot or we just didn't acknowledge the true greatness of Ludacris and for me it was very nostalgic Because my first ever rap album that I ever owned personally was Word of Mouth by Ludacris, which was his second debut album. Yeah, yeah, those were the first two CDs. It was the Michael Jackson Invincible CD and the Ludacris Word of Mouth CD. So, as in in regards to rap. Ludacris has certainly held a special place in my heart because I think he was the first artist that really got me out of kind of radio single world as that's all I was really exposed to is what I heard on the radio in regards to the big hits because I was just too young to be able to understand the importance and the the value of an album. Ludacris and Michael Jackson were the first two artists for me um, that can really give me uh, some memories and, like I said, some nostalgic feelings in regards to some of the albums that have influenced and impacted
1: me during my lifetime. Um, so let's get mm-hmm. to taking L's, I was about man. I say we might as well transition to taking nails and I'll start it if you want me to, because it's it. still in relation to what we were just talking about. Go for so, it. So uh, I, I would be, I, w- I would feel bad to say that. Well, I wouldn't feel bad, but I'm going to say that the Wi-Fi, the connection of the battle that we just discussed was a heavily involved piece of a few things. Not only Nelly losing, which I did my research today. Everybody agreed Nelly lost that across yeah, 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 all yeah. blogs. He, he lost and that. He lost that. Guy? So that's what I was going to say. I don't feel bad to say that he lost it because he really did. Just, you know, fairly enough, that's what it was. But um, the connection that he had, the poor connectivity... Luda was striving to get to a certain number, as he kept mentioning, like, let's keep climbing. Yeah, we all yeah, yeah. we almost have 500K, tell you, we want to get to this number. And it was two things that bothered me. And one, I'm going to give him a pass because after looking at the Wi-Fi situation and reading upon it, I heard it was extremely bad weather yep. and the weather conditions caused yep. out of his control out of his control obviously at a time when you got 450,000 people they just knowing what they see right now but it was two things it was the Wi-Fi and him at a time when they was over 450,000 plus him having to get out and they couldn't hear him and it went down to the 300s that was a very crucial turning point I think in the whole battle as well as I think he played 17 great songs and three terrible choices. <laughs> and what the t- the choices did was drop. I'm watching as Ludas saying, "All right, we have 450. Let's get to 406. Boom!" And it's climbing. And he'll play a song and he'll go to 405. I'm talking about a 45,000 follower, uh viewer drop in an instant. Yeah. And so as an yeah. artist, I was looking at it like, damn. Like, obviously, what you mentioned before you got a short-term memory with, with music it's so flooded and it's so busy yep. with even at a time when everybody got time right now if that sound don't hit and resonate you lost them yeah so I was looking at how instant of an impact I would see numbers drop based on song selection so I thought that was a kind of different approach at you know as I was viewing looking at it like that but uh like I said the the, the connection part of it with the Wi-fi, Upon reading and seeing how the uh, weather was yesterday, it's out of his control. It was unfortunate that that's what took place that day. But um, all in all, even without that, you know, I think it was still that. Lord so of Chris
0: was elite. <laughs> I,
1: outside of the weather thing, I say all that to say if it can be a learning point to anybody else who go in life, make sure you really got some substantial... Um, Internet Wi-Fi connection because I've even seen people get opportunities on Sway who holds a, a something um, a platform for rappers to come on live and rap and and people get stuck and frizzy and frozen and it's too many you don't have time for that people yeah. are gone so yeah. just make sure when you are trying to you know get an opportunity or you are in front of a large audience via live. Make sure you got a strong connection.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's a great point. That's <laughs> for real. that's very important. A very important point to make uh, during these quarantine times. Um, for me, I actually got to give you and an iron LD boy, and uh, and reason yeah. being is last episode was our one hundredth wake up and win Ooh, episode an we didn't that we mentioned no nothing it. about. And yeah. that's what I was getting ready to transition into. We had one on one Joe. We are one on now today makes one on one, but I thought about transition straight into transitioning straight into that out of the Michael Jordan documentary. But I'm like, you know what? I'm going to just that's give us L, an L yeah. for that because that's we're a huge L where our humans were very busy. And, and, and I want to be clear. We actually had a rollout, uh, for, the 100th episode of this podcast as we kind of were leading up to it. And then the pandemic took place. Um, a lot of things sort of changed and got redirected from there. And we've all had to adjust as a society, not just us two here with this podcast. And I went and launched an entirely another podcast for my job. Um, and and I've just been kind of doing so much and, and having to, like I said, just adjust to these times that, it didn't even like I was I'm just so used to, you know, typing in what episode is what and kind of having the muscle memory of saying, hey, 98th episode, 91st episode, 90. It's just what I'm used to doing when I upload these that I I remembered a little bit as we were creeping up to 100. But when we actually got to 100, I realized we made absolutely no mention of that on last episode, like I said, we we certainly got a team and a crew of folks that that are certainly you know supporting us, and we and we've met and had a rollout for how we wanted that to be. And Things like I said, so different. Uh, unfortunately, quarantine times really changed um, what our rollout was gonna be. I look forward to, for what's to come. What's still. to come? I yeah, yeah. It's never we gonna just gonna gotta be the readjust. Time. I think it's not at be all. the right time when we do it. Not at all. Yeah, yeah. We just gotta readjust and and, and and readapt to. The times, But the initial rollout that we had for our 100th episode just didn't happen. And because of that, and like I said, me being so busy with so many other ventures, episode 100 just kind of went to the back of my mind rather than before this pandemic happened when it was at At the the front of my mind. We've had meetings, like you said. (laughs) Yeah. But great milestone nonetheless. Yeah, great great. milestone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm very, very, very grateful to be able to reach... 100 episodes with this podcast. And so, um, and like I said, it's been so much that. I've had to go through and that we've had to go through, like I said, just the pandemic is just the start of it, but being laid off from radio where I first started doing the podcast at, and I didn't really have any equipment and that was where I was doing all my episodes. So had to take a significant break from the podcast during those times because, uh, kind of the regularity and the system and the schedule that I had in place, um, working and and having access to all those resources, essentially got stripped from me when I got laid off to now us having our own studio and just there's so many things that we've had to do and push through to keep this podcast alive and going but um, I'm very grateful that that we've got to 100 episodes now 101 and there's so much bigger and better to come from this particular podcast so shout out for y'all for sticking with us uh listening to us and, and and hanging around to see what we have to say interacting with us um by way of the podcast and and you're greatly appreciated and we're gonna keep working to get this thing better and better so congratulations to us man pat ourselves on the back for uh making it to episode 100, because most people give up on entities like these before they can ever reach that particular milestone. So you might be so close. So close. So keep <laughs> indeed, indeed. So with that being said, we're going to leave y'all the only way that we know how, and that is to stay woke and go win.